Now, we've got a statement from the University of Galway in the last couple of minutes. Thank you to the communications officer. We're aware of a report of an incident on campus on Monday. We're treating it uh, with the utmost seriousness. Uh, we've been liaising with local Gardaí on the matter, and they've stepped up security presence on the campus as well. Sorry, we have stepped up security presence on the campus as well. That's the formal statement coming out of University of Galway. They take it, as I said when we were speaking uh, to the president there, uh, they take it very seriously. And it's a lovely campus, so this person has to be apprehended, questioned, determined if he's done some wrong. If he has, he has to face uh, the consequences uh, from there. And uh, Keith, this uh, caller said, sorry, I have to go to here and here. And just uh, bear with me one second. I now just want to try and go down here. Um, I'm just getting some, yeah, no water in Glenina Heights, Keith, last night and no advance notice from Irish Water. Having called about 11pm last night, they told me that the water will be off this evening and tomorrow evening between 6pm and 2am. Uh, no advance warning, only no because I called them. It's ridiculous. People should be made aware. So says Jennifer in Glenine Heights. Why not tell us? And then we tell you. Like, that's what we're here for, for God's sake. So if you're ch- shutting down the water in Glenine Heights or any other Glenine Heights, Make contact with the team here upstairs. They tell, you tell them, we tell you, and it's in the open ether then from there. I'm not cranky today, but I'm starting to get cranky today with some people not doing their job and, and telling people, and, and it being absolutely coming to them in the middle of the night that they have no water or when they go to bed or otherwise. Anyway, we've spoken many is the time to my next guest uh, today, but in the most recent, just bear with me one second, just in the most recent report coming out, uh, uh, over 20% of COVID-19 uh, deaths were in nursing homes. Uh, Tag Daly, CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland, joins me on the line. Uh, but the new figures from the Health Service Executive show the number of deaths uh, from or with COVID-19 in nursing homes and hospitals linked to the outbreaks um, and in disability residential centres since the start of the pandemic was 2,325. So of the 8,545 COVID-19 deaths in Ireland, 2,323 are over 27% were in nursing homes. Tyg joins me on the line today. Tyg, it's, it's a huge headline figure which puts an awful lot of pressure on the nursing homes and the staff within them. Yeah, I mean, clearly this isn't a surprise to anybody. I suppose we've known from the outset that, you know, residents in nursing homes are uh, presenting with very complex care needs, um, you know, with, with multiple, um, you know, conditions. Uh, and they were, you know, very vulnerable at the outset of, of the pandemic uh, and remain so. So, uh, you know, the, the figures are no surprise. They're probably uh, a little bit lower uh, than we've seen in other uh, parts of the world. You know, in, in some parts of the world, the the mortality rate from COVID in, in care homes is of the order of 70 to 80%. Um, now, I think it's important to say as well, Keith, that you and I have spoken many occasions each and every day Obviously, whether COVID or otherwise, is a tragedy for the you know for the families and and for the 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 the, the other residents and indeed the staff in a nursing home. But I suppose you know I would be a little bit concerned with the, the portrayal that you know that somehow. Uh, you know, as you said, that that it, it's it's kind of pointing the finger, I suppose, if you like, uh, at the nursing home sector. I mean, you know, the staff uh, right across the nursing home sector and indeed the health service broadly worked so, so hard throughout COVID to save each and every life. Um, but clearly, you know, we were dealing with 
a global pandemic you know we saw how effective the vaccine was and and you know vaccination changed the whole landscape pretty quickly thankfully it did but in the early in the february's to march and the april's when i would speak to you on air here during uh, 2020 when this all kicked off from there. Now with all due respects to um, Breda Crown Roach and the team here locally they threw the kitchen sink at nursing homes and did what they could but at a national level the guidelines which were handed down and I know that Martin Cormican, Professor Martin Cormican has spoken about this over the weekend they were guide, national guidelines that were handed down that nursing homes and family members and relatives had to adhere to. That was it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we all know now that, you know, in the early part of the pandemic, you know, there was a lot of fear across all society. You know, I can tell you, I was fearful on many an occasion uh, and quite worried about the, uh, you know, what was happening uh, and the, the fear of the unknown. But you're dead right. I mean, everybody, uh, to the best of their ability, adhere to the guidelines. And indeed, the guidelines were changing very rapidly. Um, you know, in some cases, the, the health uh, protection or the health service or the health protection surveillance centre, for example, um, and public health guidelines were changing in some cases every week. Um, and in some cases on a, on, a, on a more regular basis. So, you know, I think you know, clearly uh, the, the, the pandemic has left a, a lasting mark on all of us in society. Um, and what we've got to do now is ensure, uh, you know, that we're prepared for any future pandemics. I mean, I don't want to be a prophet of doom. I'm normally a, a glass half full uh, person. Uh, but I suppose when I hear other public health experts talking about that this won't be the last pandemic in our lifetime, um, you know, it, it does cause uh, me some, some worry and some concern. So I suppose that's the challenge for us now as a society. And I know there's talk of inquiries and reviews and lookbacks, but I think it is important for us to, to uh, definitely look back and say, okay, you know, if we were presented with a similar set of circumstances in the morning, what would we do? Uh, what we What would we do differently? But you see, with all due respect, like, I don't know what you can do differently or your members can do differently, but it's the people that were issuing the diktats out of Neffet in Dublin. They have to look at what they would do differently and what they would advise you and your members to do rather than you make yeah. decisions. No, absolutely. I mean, we know, and I don't want to re re rehash the history, but we know that in the early stages of COVID, when we, when we uh, ourselves moved in terms of, of visitor restrictions, for example, uh, we were told it was too early. Uh, subsequently, you know, there was visiting uh, was ceased completely across all healthcare settings. But, but you're right. I mean, you know, what, what the staff in nursing homes and indeed right across the health service do every day when they get up in the morning is try to do the best job they can for the people that they're entrusted in their, in their care. Um, and, you know, there, there has to be policies, procedures and protocols in all walks of life. Um, but you're right, you know, what happened on, on that occasion was, um, you know, the, the guidelines were quite uh, specific. And, you know, there was, there was also a sense, you know, of preparation for the acute hospital system. Uh, and, you know, I think you and I have spoken before and I don't want to get into a huge debate about it. But, you know, I think there was an element of ageism. Um, around nursing home residents uh, and that somehow uh, that other people, uh, you know, younger people in society or others maybe in the acute hospital system, uh, you know, where, where I suppose more of the attention was focused uh, on, on them at the expense uh, of older people. And I think that's something that, as I say, you and I have spoken on before, ageism in general in society. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that it's a different it's 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 a different debate but it's all part of the the i suppose the discourse 
the, the language and the preparation uh, and the care we provide to what is an, an aging an aging population. Well, I hope, I mean, it was a scattergun approach, and I mean that in the nicest possible. Neffet came out and said, this is what has to happen. Schools closed, nursing homes, no visiting. You can't go more than five kilometres from your home. We can't have people into your home. So it really was, it was a catch-all that, that they threw at us. But I'm conscious today of the 2,323 people who lost loved ones who were being cared yes. for by not just um, Nursing Homes Ireland um, members, but nursing homes across the whole country. Like That's 2,323 families that lost a loved one. That I suppose today they mightn't have seen them for a while. They might have looked at them through glass windows. They might have had little porches built in, in rooms mm. that they could visit them and they, they couldn't hear each other because of the sound system. All of those, t- I'm thinking of those people today. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 you know, right throughout the the, the pandemic, uh, you're right. I mean, staff and and providers in all nursing homes, you know, public, private, and voluntary, whether HSE or otherwise, you know, tried their uh, ultimate uh, their, their best. Um, and I can only imagine what it was like for for for, for some of those families uh, who are presented with that with that you know situation uh, of their mother, father, brother, sister uh, dying when they couldn't uh, when they couldn't visit, for example. So. Um, you know, it is usually traumatic for everybody, I've no mm. doubt. It seriously is. But I mean, for the staff involved, and you and I spoke, I mean, we know that some nursing homes closed uh, during the pandemic. We also know that the HSE went on a major recruitment drive and took a lot of staff, be it uh, care staff or nursing staff from nursing homes. And yet the nursing homes are supposed to, to, to keep ticking away as they were from there. Uh, so it's, it's, it was... It was a really difficult time for everybody, including families that couldn't get in for long periods of time uh, to visit loved ones. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've never, none of us have thankfully been through a pandemic before and, you know, notwithstanding my earlier comments, I hope we don't, uh, you know, are not faced with a a similar proposition in in the future, uh, at least not in the the distant, uh, you know, the distant future. Mm. But, uh, you know, I, I can only imagine, as I say, what it was like for, for many families. Um, I know a lot of people are, are struggling to come to terms with it now, and also staff in nursing homes uh, and other residents uh, in nursing homes, uh, how, how difficult it was. Um, but what we need to do now, I suppose, is try and you know, support people as best we can, um, make sure that they have the, the supports necessary uh, to be able to, I suppose, express those those feelings, those concerns, and be able to talk to people and and, and talk through it. It's not to you know, uh, as I said, to, to we need to face up to the fact that, as you say, the the, the high mortality rate um, right throughout COVID, um, you know, was was hugely challenging for all of all of society. Um, but I suppose ultimately, what we need to do, as I say, is ensure uh, that we are better prepared into the future, and that means everybody in society, you know, uh, not just nursing homes, you know, the acute hospital system, um, and. and and a kind of a whole of society uh, approach um, to to any future either pandemic or indeed uh, crisis, something something similar to what what we have been through. During the pandemic, I let you go on this one because somebody else looking for you. But I remember um, talking with you one morning, and that morning on the paper there was a care home, uh, nursing home in Italy, where the staff abandoned the patients, and uh, the residents were found dead inside in the nursing home. I mean, that's how bad it was across the world. And uh, Absolutely. But thank God it yeah. never happened here. And at the time, um, I had three relatives in nursing homes and I thought to myself, good Lord, that'll never happen in Ireland. But that's the, that's the extent and the effect that it had right across 
uh, the world as well. Ty, thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Actually, on, on that point, I remember speaking with, with a journalist in the print media about that. I, I think I made the point, and I, I have to dig out the article, but I made the point that I'd be confident that what happened in Italy and indeed some other European countries wouldn't happen here. I think it, it is a testament, as you quite rightly say, to the, the staff in the sector who you know put their own lives on the line as well in terms of going into a, a, a situation uh, that they were unsure of, of, of what the outcome was. So um, I think we can be proud of, of that, but also conscious, as you say, uh, of the, the mortality rate and the families who are hurting on an ongoing basis. Well, if you take what Martin Cormack said in the Sunday Independent, he'd be with us next Monday morning on the programme. But if you take what he said in relation to teachers went to school, the care staff went to nursing homes and the nursing staff and all the catering staff, if you take all the people that went into work in University Hospital Galway and all the other yes. hospitals, if you take all the people that went to work, they put themselves on the, on the front line to get COVID and did get COVID and were affected by long COVID. Um, and all these, all these instructions were being fed out from Neffet uh, without taking the whole, without taking an awful lot more into account. But look, we'll argue about that another day. Well, you and I won't Absolutely. argue. And Ty, can I just say to you, I don't want to see another pandemic in my lifetime. Not that you have any control over it, but I don't want you and me. You and me together. I don't want another pandemic. I've had enough of them. I really have. Uh, had enough of them. Ty Daly, their chief executive of Nursing Homes Ireland. Uh, a lovely. I had a lovely. A lovely incident yesterday. Well, two lovely incidents yesterday. Uh, because on Friday week, we're coming to you live from my Collins. So uh, John was going out to check out uh, Wildlands, where we're coming from, uh, that beautiful facility on the right-hand side. Uh, you get a great view, by the way, in Wildlands of the uh, my Collins bypass. We went out there yesterday afternoon uh, to Wildlands, and we met with the team out there, and we spoke to them, and we were checking lines, and we're, we're going to be doing it outside uh, the restaurant in the open. Uh, if it rains, we'll be covered in that. But a lovely, lovely hour of an event out there. But during my mother's mass last week when I was doing her eulogy on Thursday last in St. Joseph's, the one thing that anybody who knew Baby Finnegan was she was a great baker. She baked for Ireland. I don't know how she did it, uh, but she did. But her coffee cake was a masterpiece. Uh, her coffee cake, uh, she, wouldn't, she didn't give anybody the um, recipe because, as Joan put it to me, it was a bit of this, a bit of that, and a big bit of the other. We never knew what the other was. But anyway, we were talking about coffee cakes and it, it stimulated an awful lot of conversation in the house and with people who were at the funeral and all that. But lo and behold, when I got home yesterday evening, uh, Sean Walsh of Dunn's in Nakdakara had found a Stafford's um, coffee cake, a beautiful Stafford's coffee cake, and he had left it on the front doorstep and said, this isn't like babies, but it'll have to do right now. Uh, just a lovely, thoughtful thing to do. So now I'm hunting uh, for... Uh, a nice coffee cake recipe. Joan has a lovely one at home, uh, but I'm looking for one that has Ireland coffee. What, what, what replaced Ireland coffee? Apparently, you can't get Ireland coffee anymore, which was the kind of the one of the the elements of it. So, if you have a nice coffee cake recipe, uh, you can just send it to Galway BFM, send your own Galway, and we'll take it from there. And then, after being in Wildlands, I walked the prom again, and I haven't walked the prom in, in a long number of years. I have time to do it now. But the nicest evening, I have to say, walking the prom, and what I love is you can walk the prom without talking to anybody. Well, except myself, of course. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. Comments line open today if you want to get through to us. We'd like to hear from you. WhatsApp us with thanks to Rationale Windows 086 38 33 55 3. That's 086 38 33 55 3. Paul Carl is a consultant. Uh, 
I'm going to get this wrong. Osophagastric, I think I've got that wrong there, and a general surgeon, Bogolo University Hospital has become the very first hospital in Ireland to introduce an incisionless, minimally invasive surgery to help correct blockages of the esophagus. And um, Mr. Carl joins you on the line today. Uh, Paul, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, and thanks very much for asking me to be on. S- sorry, I made a dog's dinner of the full... Uh, how do I pronounce that correctly, do you mind me oh, asking? So, esophagogastric, or upper GI surgeon. I'm going with the upper GI, but if I, you don't mind. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just, so that's just ma- mainly dealing with the esophagus and the stomach. It's a very specialised area that you're in, but a very necessary area as well. Yeah, it's um, quite a... It can be quite a challenging... Um, quite a challenging speciality, um, quite a difficult uh, part of the body to deal with. And talk to me about the, the very first incisionless um, surgery then in Ireland. Yeah. This, this is historic for you. Well, I, I suppose um, well, it, 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 it's good to be able to bring a technique that um, I would have trained up on in um, Canada when I was away, um, you know, finishing up my fellowship training in surgery um, but essentially what this is, is um, it's for a disorder called achalasia, which is where the muscles of the lower part of the esophagus become um, um, quite rigid and um, are in spasm all the time, such that people can't really eat. So what this procedure, or it's called a POM, or per oral endoscopic myotomy, what it, what allows me to do is actually to use a standard endoscope um, and make a tiny hole in the inside of the esophagus and go into the space between the esophagus and its and its muscles and divide those muscles with a very, very, very small knife. Um, now, traditionally, this would have been done either by um, keyhole surgery, um, where you'd make four or five incisions in the tummy um, and you would split the muscles from the outside of the stomach. So essentially, it's doing that, but doing it with a... With just with, with doing it with an endoscope, and and the endoscope would be used for um, colon and all that you know endoscopic well, work. Would, would, yeah, so so yeah, the exact same the exact same camera that we would use for people who are having, um, say, upper GI endoscopy for investigations of people with heartburn or reflux, yeah. um, or people who are actually having trouble swallowing. And is it a common? condition that people go into spasm like that and can't eat, that must be very no. distressing for them. It, no, it, it, it can be very distressing. Now, this is something that develops over a number of years. Yeah. It's not a very acute thing. And anybody who does have an acute problem with their swallow should be uh, attended to by their GP and um, sent in for urgent investigation. But achalasia, which is this disorder, um, is quite rare. We're talking about maybe one in 100,000 people um, per year, so I'd probably see about ten or twelve people a year um, with this, and it is distressing because it, it it's slowly progressive. People start struggling with eating solids, and then it moves on to liquids, um, and they have no quality of life at all. So that they 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 frequently talk about not not being able to go out um, and enjoy meals anymore. They actually oftentimes talk about eating separately away from their family because, unfortunately, occasionally they have to regurgitate or vomit with this. So oh, it, is, it, is, it can be an incredibly distressing disorder. And, and again, I know we ta- can't talk about individual patients, but the, the first incisionless um, surgery that you did with, 
with the equipment that we're talking about. Uh, was it successful? Did it make a difference? Um, it did make a difference. Um, so it was done before Christmas. Um, uh, and his specific sort of, there's specific types of achalasia, but this, this gentleman had difficulty with a swallow, but also had a lot of chest pain. Um, uh, which is a variant uh, of the disorder, and he has he no longer has the chest pain associated with this, and he's eating and drinking better than he had done in several years. So he, yeah, he 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 did very well. I'm delighted that was able to bring this to him. And now, so he's three months over it uh, at this stage, and hopefully he can reap the benefits of it moving forward. Can I ask you just to me? It's a very specialised area, but. Were you nervous? I know you trained on it, you said, in Canada, but were you nervous on the morning of going in to do it? Or do you still um, get that, that butterfly's nervousness? Oh, well, look, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, every time I do a procedure, you know, it's, you, you, you do, it's not nerves per se, you, you, you know, you want to make sure that everything is right. You prepare for something like this, you'd you'd be practicing in your head, you'd be reviewing your notes and your the videos that you, that I would have, um, taken during during my my training, um, and it's and it's really about getting everybody on board in terms of the team, the anaesthetic team, and and the nursing staff, um, having everything together, um, so that you're prepared. Now, I I, I use these techniques uh, for very early cancers as well of the esophagus and the stomach. So, I mean, uh, while this was the first home procedure, I would have done a number um, of other similar procedures. Um, before this for very early stage or pre-malignant diseases uh, in the stomach and the esophagus. So, I mean, the team were, the team were used to the equipment, um, but this was, this was, you know, the first time we were doing this. So yeah, I was excited about doing it, to be honest with you. I love doing these procedures. I love doing, you know, challenging, challenging and technical, technical operations. And um, were you, did you always like a challenge in life? Because... There are other disciplines, perhaps, that would have been easier uh, to go the route of, but you've decided to go this route. Yeah, my wife, my wife gives out to me about this most of the time. You know, and you don't listen to her. Give her no. We don't listen to each other. No, look, look. I mean, you know, this is. Yeah, I mean, you, you can. You, you really make a difference um, with this speciality. You know, be it with people who have cancer of the esophagus. You know, people who have struggled, difficulty eating, people who, you know, have significant impact in their quality of life um, because they can't eat. Um, so it's, it, it, you know, you, 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 you reap the uh, you reap the rewards of it, seeing somebody, you know, whose life may have changed. Um, and that's why we do this. Um, but it is challenging, you know, some of these operations that I would do would take several hours, sometimes eight, nine hours to do. Wow. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it is... You know, it is it is you know mentally and physically demanding at times. Well done, congratulations on what you've achieved. And um, again, it just shows how technology and we are the capital when it comes to medtech. So we are here in Galway with all that we have, but it just shows how technology gives you that added tool to make life better for the patient, rather than you know uh, the keyhole surgery and otherwise. Uh, and the recovery then is much quicker from there. Well, absolutely. Like with the advances in technology, and we see it in our homes with our TVs and whatnot. I mean, we're just, you know, medtech is applying this now to our um, to our devices, um, and it's and it is making interventions safer. You know, be it cardiological interventions, surgical interventions, 
um, we're now developing. We now have access to robots, um, which are going to which are going to change things again. Um, artificial intelligence is already being used um, for detection of early cancers and colon cancers, and that'll be brought to brought out in the next couple of years. So, I mean, we really are reaping the rewards of significant technological advances, and Galway is the forefront of that. Well, we are so blessed to have people like you and many others, and. Uh, within the medical uh, fraternity here in Galway. Thanks so much for joining us uh, today. And I didn't mean that your wife wasn't listening to you, but sometimes we don't listen to, we we don't hear, what, we won't listen to what we don't want to hear. Uh, but um, well done to you. And I'm sure that uh, she's very proud of you like everybody else is. Uh, Mr. Paul Carl there, uh, consultant general surgeon specialising in the esophagus as well. Our thanks to him for joining us uh, today uh, on the uh, programme. Upper GI but I'm going to call it from here on in. Now, though, let me go to um, Student Union Vice President for Irish Languages, Barrow Sucro, who joins you on the line because the University of Galway Students Union today have uh, launched their uh, Shakta Nagelga event, which runs from Monday the 14th to Friday the 18th of November. And the week will encourage students and staff across the university campus to use whatever level of Irish that they have at fun, free, inclusive events. Uh, to start with, there's going to be a pop-up Gaeltacht on uh, Monday morning at Black Rock Diving Tower. And here the Students' Union is collaborating with the Cold Vember charity swimmers to bring the Gaeltacht to the sea as well. Uh, it's going to be complete with trad music uh, to warm students up, uh, a post-dip. And uh, they'll also be visiting uh, the Lee McCarthy and Sam McGuire Cups to the Student Union offices for all the GA fans on campus on the Monday as well. Uh, but uh, Barry joins you on the line today. Barry, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you getting on? I'm delighted to talk to you. Well done. You put a huge amount of work into this. Yourself and Sai Gajula, indeed, who we spoke to earlier on about another incident. But you've put a huge amount of work into this. I love the way you're bringing the Gale to the college and to the diving board. Yeah, that's exactly it. Now, I will say just what you're announcing there was actually from our last semester, Shockton Gaelic, but we're actually celebrating Shockton Gaelic this semester from the 1st to the 17th of okay, March. So me. we are still doing um, our Black Rock swimming and we're doing a lot, lot more as well. But I suppose we try and do as much as we can throughout the year because we're very lucky in the University of Galway Students' Union to have the first ever Irish language officer full time. And I'm the first one to do that as well. And now we have two people running for my role. So it's great that we get to celebrate so much Irish between first semester and second semester but this one we decided to go big so we're celebrating from the 1st to the 17th of March starting today all the way to St. Patrick's Day so it's not really shocked in the Gaelga I suppose it's more two and a half weeks in the Gaelga um, that we're celebrating here in the university. Yeah we used to go to Kaikish in the Gaelga here so we did in years gone by but we'll have to we'll, we'll have to go back to Kaikish Kaikish Nagelga um, plus, plus half again so we will on this one. Half, exactly Kaikish Galen Nagelga. Yeah, um, but again, it's. I mean, when you say bring the Gael to, uh, to the college and to the diving board, uh, you know, you paint a lovely picture there uh, because I think everybody of a certain age has that fuzzy feeling of going to the Gael for the first time. 100% and that's half and half of what we're trying to do here is trying to get that feeling back for people because with the summer camps being closed the summer camps being closed for two or three years because of COVID a lot of students who came here maybe in first year second year never got that experience going to the Gaeltacht so we're trying to provide that feeling to people on campus but also we have to remember that a lot of our student population would be made up of people who are from the Gaeltacht regions so we want them to feel at home I suppose on campus and make sure that they realise that they can continue speaking 
Northern Irish when they come on campus or when they come to the city even more so. Um, tonight with um, Orison and Gael in the city, we're launching a citywide launch of Shocked in the Gaelga. So we're trying to just encapsulate everyone who's doing amazing work for the Irish language. So we decided to come together as well tonight to kind of celebrate all of that, but also remembering that our campus has a special place in the city when it comes to the Irish language. Um. And again, it's it's, it's, act, it's active uh, from there. The fact that your president, is Professor, uh, President Kieran Hogarth, is um, a fluent Irish speaker as well, and his, his family have been immersed in the Irish language for a long number of years. Yeah, and it, it's always a great help as well. I was actually chatting to him yesterday about all the events that we're having over the next two and a half weeks, and I'm sure that he'll probably be attending the majority of the events as well. We're very lucky, and we understand that, especially when we're trying to reach that bilingual status that we um, so often claim that we have. It's very important that we do provide um, for everything that we can. We're also very lucky. Our vice president of the university, Polo Dorhertig, is a fluent Irish speaker as well, and a lot of senior management of this university would have Gaelga, which makes my job, I suppose, a lot easier compared to other universities around the, um, the country when I do have that support of the university to do as much as I want with Gaelga and make sure that students feel comfortable to speak Irish. Um, we're also making sure this um, this shock to the Gaelga to make sure that we show the talent that we have in the university. So we're having a culture night to celebrate, I suppose, the um, amazing culture on campus, the Irish language culture, but also the Irish traditional culture. But again, supported by um, uh, the university staff, university management, and also the students' union here. I know we were talking to Sai this morning, but I have two other full-time officers um, with Sai who are working full-time inside here with me in the office. And they don't, they're not Leofas Gaelga, but the support that they give is absolutely amazing and everyone is just wanting to see Gaelga do better and better. And where where are you from, Barry, can I ask you? I, I'm from Tralee, County Kerry. I hope that's okay. Oh, we love Kerry people. We love Mayo people. <laughs> we, anybody. We, we adopt everyone. So, but the, 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 is, the Kerry Irish is very similar to the West of Ireland Irish as well. It, it would be to a certain extent, but Munster Irish in itself would be completely different to Connacht Irish. And especially for me, I didn't grow up with Irish now. I don't have Irish at home, but um, I suppose I went to an Irish-speaking school. Didn't have a lot of Irish, but I always wanted Irish to be my first language. And I remember when I came up to college here, I was living with two girls from um, Donegal and then one girl who had um, a Connemara accent. And I'll tell you, for the first week and a half, I'd say I didn't understand a word. But I, I learned very, very fast that that's the beauty of the Irish language is even within our own culture we have loads of different cultures and that's yeah. the beauty of it especially with how welcoming Irish is and what we want it to be is that Irish is for everyone Irish is for all so anyone who wants to come in and speak Irish they can and they're welcome and that diversity of language that diversity of people is so important to the essence of the Irish language and the Irish culture Can I go back to the girl the two girls uh, the, was it a Donegal girl that went to the Gaeltuk in Connemara? No, sorry. It was two girls from the Gaeltucht of Donegal, and then the other girl. She was actually from Carlow, but every summer she'd go to um, she'd go to Carrua, um, out in Connemara, and she had the strongest. I'd actually say one of the strongest Connemara accents I've heard so far. Get away! So you had Kerry, and the girl from Carlow had Connemara, and the girl from Donegal had Donegal. We were a triple threat, I'll tell you that. <laughs> to each other, I take it, uh, from there. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But I suppose that's what it's all about, celebrating. And that's why we want to provide as much as possible. We're also, throughout the two weeks, organising regular um, modern cafes, careful choros, different things like this, because we want people... Um, well, we're organising different ones, because we want people who have different levels of Irish, because a lot of times, people will say, and we want to make sure that there's a space for them to come and use 
use our Kupla Fuckle and not feel intimidated. But then also we have ones for staff and students to come together and speak Irish together. Um, we're also making sure that we provide for everyone. We're having a Queerkle Choral, which is for the LGBT community, um, which will be organised by the Broad Sock on campus. We have the Granny Sock here on campus, the, um, the Granny Society who do um, knitting and kind of crafting and stuff. They're organising a Fuol August Fooder, which is like um, a craft and chat um, of Gaelga. There's all these events happening and everyone's on board, which again just shows how good this campus can be for coming together um, to celebrate something. Oh, well done to you. I love the Irish language. I just, I, and, I, and I, I can understand it fully. I just find it difficult to speak, but it goes back to my school days and something that happened. Uh, but I'm going to... I'm going to I'm going to capture it and swimming in the next 12 months. So, yeah, I'm going to get the two of them uh, under my belt in the next 12 months. Um, but because I, I love the language, I love it. But I just have yeah, to. Yeah, and I'll tell you as well, like a lot of people have that experience of not enjoying Irish. And I completely understand it. But I think what happens in school now, a lot of people have different experiences. So I wouldn't want to negate someone's experience. No. But just to add to that, that a lot of times that we, when in school, we're taught Irish as a subject. We're not taught Irish as an alive language. Yeah. And that's really the thing I'd like to push home over the next two weeks, that the amount of people on this campus who have Gaelga and speak it every day is unfathomable. There's so many people, and I don't think people realise, because in school, you're told you have to do this to get past the leaving cert, you have to do this to get past the junior intercert. But when people realise that this is a language that is being spoken actively, is a cool language. We can go back to Paul Meskell last week, yeah, speaking yeah. Irish on the BAFTA red carpet. We now have an Irish language film nominated for an Oscar. The language is alive. People are speaking it. It's not just a tokenistic thing um, that people think that it is. So please, over the next two and a half weeks, just try to use your cupola fuckle. I bet you when you go into a shop and you say Gormahaga to the person working in the shop, they'll probably yeah. say it off to Rose. We understand those little things. And slowly but surely she'll come back. So I'd urge everyone to try and use their cupola fuckle. And you'll see all the events. Oris Nangal, as I said, um, are hosting a launch of all the events happening in the city tonight. And we'll be putting together a little law of lower, a little booklet of all the events happening as well throughout the city. So make sure to look at that as well. Listen, thank you, Gohorjikas, to you and the crew as well uh, for putting this uh, together and well done to you. And I love the energy, by the way, Barry, uh, that you bring with you as well. Uh, it's young energy and it's fresh energy and you have it. What, what, what did you study and what are you going to, what are you going to study when you finish? Um, so I've done three years of my course so far. So I've done Gael Gagas Ashrukhan, which is Irish and translation. Just because for me, as I said, I didn't have much Irish. So I wanted to have a good standard of Irish. So I decided to do that. So I'm in a year out this year um, working with the Students' Union with Gaelga, and then back next year to find the year to do that. And then you can go to Brussels and become an interpreter and get paid a load of money, say you can, Barry. Uh, we'll see about that now. I'd say we'll find me somewhere else instead of Brussels. But um, it's uh, that's always an option. You know, I'll always have that in the books. Listen, good luck and congratulations to you. And Barrio Sucru uh, joining us uh, there on the uh, programme. Don't forget, by the way, tonight at 7 o'clock to join ACE on Galway Bay FM here. Uh, ACE is the Arts, Culture and Entertainment programme with Gary McMahon this evening at 7pm. Gary pr um, previews minimal human contact at theatre show exploring gambling addiction coming to Antibiarg next week. And Druid returns to the Town Hall Theatre uh, with their massively successful arts festival hit The Last Return, which... An excellent production, I have to say. Uh, plus news of gigs, including Music for Gold with Classical Guitarist, uh, Concert in Uctorard on Sunday night next. Uh, that's all on Ace with Gary McMahon this evening, uh, brought to you in association with Bradley's Bar of Laban. 
Uh, so tune in for full details on that tonight from 7 o'clock onwards. Uh, Keith, I loved Iril coffee in my coffee cake uh, but I use this now and it's spot on I use it for coffee buttercream and it's called Camp Camp what is it called though there it's uh, somebody else sent it in here Keith uh, I think Camp replaced Iril coffee it's a uh, chicory and essence flavour and it's spot on so says Maureen to the programme today where do you get Camp can you tell me Maureen please uh, if you don't mind. Again, the comment line is open on 86 or call us here at 091 77 uh, Some comments coming in also. Yeah, people are just a little bit cheesed off in relation to having no water in Glenina Heights. As, um, again, again, this caller said, ridiculous case, not to be told about no water yesterday evening between 6pm and 2am. Uh, did you say it's going to be out again tonight and tomorrow night? Well, that's what somebody said to me. So we'll put a call into Irish Water and see can we figure that one out uh, from there. Hi, Keith. Uh, this uh, caller is, could you ask Pauline uh, what plans uh, Read the Ring Road are uh, with Umbor Planola? Have there been any changes and when is it answered due? Well, I'd only say to you there now that um, how, how long is a piece of string, to be quite honest, is what it is really. How long is a piece of string? Because we don't know. It could be six months or it could be a year before it comes out on board Planola. Galway Tones, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. Hey, very good morning. Patricia Hines joins us from Employment Services and she joins me on the line today. Patricia, good morning. What have you got for us? Very good morning to Keith. Yes, indeed, lots of jobs for your listeners out there this morning, Keith. And the first position we'll start with is for a horticultural worker for farm in Crowell. Now, applicants will be responsible for seed germination, planting and overall crop care and maintenance. And this particular job will also involve harvesting and packaging of products in preparation for the market. Moving over to Salt Hill then this morning, where we have a position for a guest house assistant for a B&B in Salt Hill. Duties to include reception, cleaning, serving breakfast and general work within a guest house. Now, previous experience is desirable but not essential. And this particular job is for 39 hours a week and it's a live-in position only. Now, we're also looking for an assistant restaurant manager for a fast food franchise in Galway City. 39-hour week positions are available in Limerick, Galway and Clare. And this particular job will involve business planning and supporting the restaurant manager to manage staff and carry out performance reviews. Now, also this morning, Keith, we have a number of community employment supervisor roles available based in Oranmore, Mary and Duisca. This particular job will involve developing learning plans for participants and ensuring the implementation of financial procedures for the particular schemes. Now, applicants should have a major award at third level, an NFQ level six or higher, and preferably in business or in financial administration. Now, we're also looking for a field supervisor for a retail company in the city. And this particular job will involve organizing and managing a team of people, also managing a team roster and their leave arrangements and communicating with retail brand representatives and previous retail experience is certainly preferred. Now we also have a job for a mechanic with the motor dealership company based in Craigs in County Galway. Skill and experience in all aspects of vehicle servicing, repairs and diagnostics is certainly a distinct advantage and applicants should have the ability to work efficiently in a busy work environment and experience of fitting tyres certainly as well would be an advantage. 
Now moving back to the city, where we have a job for a store detective uh, for a company here based in the city. Now applicants should have the ability to use modern surveillance systems such as CCTV and electronic tags and also have the ability to make quick decisions. A PSA licence and also a driving licence are required for this particular role. And last up for call out this morning, Keith, we're looking for a quantity surveyor. Now this is a senior position with an engineering company here in the city and this particular company are leading edge and next generation provide next generation solutions to clients by design, building and installing uh, device plants and renewable energy systems. Now, the senior quantity surveyor will take full commercial responsibility and ownership for projects and work closely with the contracts manager and project manager and the construction team. And applicants must have a third level qualification in construction, surveying and at least seven years work experience. Now, as always, Keith, further information and indeed application for all our jobs this morning can be accessed by logging on to jobsireland.ie or if there are any employers out there that are currently looking for support with recruitment please do give us a call and get in contact with us and you'll find all details for us keith on jobsireland.ie thanks patricia for that have a good and a safe week and uh, jobsireland.ie for further details uh, from there patricia hines there joining us uh, today on the programme. Uh, great show as always, Keith. Um, have you heard the rumours that uh, when Leo visited Portiuncla Hospital last week, a lot of the patients were moved to Roscommon Hospital to show the hospital was coping well? If true, it's a disgrace to the hard-working staff. You might ask and chat to the people involved for confirmation. Thank you. That comes from Martin. I would be surprised, uh, to be honest, because it's the Celta Hospital Group, of which Port Young is part of it, Roscommon is part of it, and uh, as, as we know, the Celta Hospital Group goes as far as Letterkenny, and as far as uh, Ballinasloe to Port Young. I would be surprised if they would uh, hide something like that uh, from the Taoiseach. I would be... Uh, am I surprised? I don't, I, don't, I don't know anymore, am I? Hi, Keith. On the internet, the reception keeps dropping. Is it me or is it you? I just checked our feed there, so I did during uh, Patricia Hines' piece there, and we're rock solid, so we are. Keith, can you tell me the name of the gadget that you were talking about yesterday for atrial fibrillation? Many thanks, and that comes from Maureen. Maureen, it's called a cardia something or other. It's, you just put in C-A-R-D-I-A, just put in cardia gadget or something like that, and um, it comes from Kerry uh, from there. And uh, Keith, I disagree with uh, the person who said that you continue to promote liberal left loony stuff keep doing what you're doing and don't mind the cranky people from there uh, we don't we don't call them cranky at all uh, from there not even slightly uh, Keith did you see the roadworks uh, when you were going to Wildlands yesterday I did I saw them and it, it traffic seemed to work now what time did we go there uh, it was about 10 to 3 I think when we got there uh, but um, yeah no it was bang on 3 o'clock when I got there because John said to me you're on time um, but yeah, about, yeah, I did. It looks fantastic. Certainly from Wildlands, we were looking down at it. Yeah, from Wildlands, and they've they've done tremendous work on it. So um, yeah, we'll be in Wildlands on Friday week, and we'll be doing the program from there. So if you want to pop down and have a gander or have a bit of fun with us, we've a, a full schedule done. And if you haven't been contacted at this stage about the program, you're not on the program. Uh, I don't want people just showing up thinking that they can. Um, you know, we have a structure with these programmes and structure is working at this stage. Thank God at this stage. 
I'm going to take a short have I time for music I am going to do a small, small bit of it I think I have a small bit of time for this one so I have this is Peter Frampton and I heard it last night as I was driving it's called Baby I Love Your Way morning to you it's Wednesday Frampton, Baby I Love Your Way, that's the live version of it, on our system here, and it's a lovely bit of music, and I was driving, and last night I heard it, and I just thought, <laughs> we'll have to find that one, and I did on the database today. Now, comment lines are open today, 86 if you want to get in contact with us, please feel free to do so, and you can also call us on 091-77-077. Now, the let's head towards the 11 o'clock news and death notices, and join the team in there. Stay tuned for that and much more to come on today's programme. Good morning. In association with Tesco, Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you.